0: Hi, gente, welcome to Peruvian City USA, the podcast where we share the diversity of the Peruvian immigrant experience. This is your host, Natalie Sofia, and this community was born from the need to create a space for Peruvian immigrants to come together, to support each other, to learn from each other, and to document our stories. The stories our guests share with us are deeply personal and paint a new portrait of what it means to be a Peruvian immigrant. I hope you receive these stories with an open heart and an open mind. So, let's get started. If something resonates with you while enjoying our conversation, please be sure to share with us in social media using the hashtag Peruvians of USA. All right, here's our conversation. Welcome, Dr. Melanie, regarded to Peruvians of USA, or as I like to call her, my bestie. <laughs> I, um, yeah. uh, Melanie, I'm really excited to have you today at, on the podcast. I think it'll be an interesting conversation, not only because of the topic, but because of our dynamic, um, just to give the audience... A couple of uh, some background information. So Melanie and I are friends and we've been friends since we were in seventh grade. So it's been a long time. I wanted to bring her into the podcast to talk about a very, very interesting topic. Dr. Melanie Ricard is here to talk about the how couples can safeguard their relationship when they bring a baby home. So for the audience of you say as you know, I just had a baby. And I'm in the middle of it. It's turmoil, it's chaos. Look, okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm lucky if I shower and I eat. So yeah, so I think this is a very valuable topic. Melanie, welcome. And please introduce yourselves to
1: our audience. Thank you. Thank you, Natalie, for having me here. I'm super excited. I'm a licensed psychologist and a sex certified sex therapist and sex therapy supervisor. So I work a ton with couples, really a lot of relationship work. And I have a practice in Maryland and I'm licensed in both Maryland and D.C. I also have several people that are part of my practice that also do a lot of work um, with couples, individuals, along with a lot of issues around attachment, connectioning. So and of course, in therapy, we do a ton of work focused on, on sexuality. And um, really, we want to be holistic, right, to, to think about every aspect of a person.
0: Yes, all very interesting, very taboo topics. Sometimes in the Latin culture, I would love to bring you back to talk sure. about a couple of sex therapy, in, and I know there's a lot of people thinking about that and don't want to talk about it. So I'm going to talk about it, but that's not today. <laughs> today is about baby.
1: You're it's right. about baby
0: and safe part of your relationship. So let's get it from the beginning, right? So they go to they go to the hospital, they have their baby, they come back home, and then it's chaotic, right? Exactly. So- so when do couples, when should couples start preparing for how their life will change by having kids? When should they be doing that?
1: Honestly, um, ideally, before they even start, they're trying to get pregnant. So trying to have a really solid relationship before having the baby. So what tends to happen is the first year after the baby is born is the toughest, right? Toughest on relationships. People are exhausted, sleep deprived, and a ton of identity issues come in, right? And a lot of ways that... Um, the the craziest thing is seeing your partner in a way that you might never have seen them before, right? And I think um, seeing them as a new parent, seeing them navigate sleep deprivation and so on. So for some people, they're really pleasantly surprised and, oh my gosh, we're rising to the occasion. And for other people, they start kind of hating each other. <laughs> so it's really useful to do whatever you can to strengthen your relationship as much as possible. Right before you're pregnant, but of course, you know, if you're already pregnant, um, you know, a few months before the baby is born, that can be a great time. But this this workshop that we do or and I'm holding so it'll be, you know, two to three times a year. Then I'll offer the workshop. So it's usually over a few different weekends. The neat thing about it is that of course you can attend even after your baby is born. So within the first year of the baby, all of the especially if you're stressed out, it can be a great time to attend and reconnect and kind of Have a reset even after the baby is born.
0: And so let's talk about like statistics, right? To ground the conversation. How many couples are getting divorced soon after having kids? Because it is, you know, even from my experience, it is such a turmoil. It is very chaotic. You Mm -hmm. have little sleep and and you do get to see how your partner functions or does not function, you know, it's lack of sleep. And and just to give folks uh, also, lack of sleep is a method of torture in the military. <laughs> so that's a big thing. It's like and to be honest, I didn't I because I, I struggle with sleep anyway. I didn't I was just like, oh, so you got like five hours, whatever, right? But for some people it's really, really difficult. and so mm-hmm. but so I, I guess I just go back to wondering how many couples make it past that in what year or how many couples end up divorcing because of it.
1: Well the interesting thing about statistics is that nowadays a lot of couples are even choosing not to get married. So that's kind of, I think over the next few years that those statistics are gonna change a lot. So it used to be about 50%, right? And so the, it's kind of like the statistics show. So within the the first couple of years after the baby is born, then when the the first child goes to school, so beginning elementary school, then when the, when the first child goes off to college, that's another time. So it's crazy kind of how, how all this is kind of dependent on when kids are born because relationship satisfaction completely drops it really does drop after the the first year when the baby is born and then it tends to come up a little bit but it never comes up to the point it was before that. <laughs> so some of the stuff so you can safeguard your relationship and have it be really strong even before that Yes, there will be a dip but hopefully it won't be quite as massive of, of a drop as it would be if you know you kind of dive into having kids without doing any relational work And, you know, by doing this relational work, especially for um, the partner that is giving birth, what happens is lower levels of postpartum depression, lower levels of anxiety, um, mm-hmm. When couples are happier, kids are doing better in school, and less likely to have behavioral problems. Mm-hmm. Less likely to be diagnosed with anxiety and depression, and 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 even ADHD. Right? Mm-hmm. If if their parents are are, are getting along better, right? Because sometimes kids even experience attention things or attention issues because they're they're trying to to manage all their emotions if their parents are not getting along.
0: Yeah. So first, I want to uh, touch on like how couples can save prior to the baby or even if the baby has already arrived and then also if you can talk about like how your how the workshop that you're uh, having is structured and sort of what is a a day in that workshop would look like for couples and then what can they sort of expect to get out of it so let's start with some of the um i guess best practices or tactics that couples can sort of start to implement let's say there's somebody listening right now being Oh my God, my husband, blah, 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 my wife, blah, 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 like, and we're not connecting, you know, it feels like we're not married anymore. What can they do?
1: So number one, right, number one is think in terms of we. So what tends to happen, right, like when, when people are about to have a baby, everything begins to change, right? Now there's a family dynamic, now there's three, right? But if people begin to think in terms of we... That makes a huge difference because whatever begins to come up as a hurdle, they're thinking about it as we are resolving it together versus you versus me, right? So you solve that. No, you solve that. No, you're to blame. No, you're to blame. That becomes a disaster, right? So if people start from the very beginning thinking we are a we and we prioritize our relationship. So your relationship with your children is a given. You're biologically related to that. Right? With your partner, they choose you. So because your partner gets to choose you, prioritizing that relationship and not letting go of that we is super important down the road so that whenever hurdles come your way, you're not becoming enemies to each other, but you're really thinking, okay, this person's part of my team. And so from that we place, it becomes really awesome to then become create family traditions and decide what your family culture is going to be. And think about like, if you're from two different cultures or even from the same culture, You're creating a new family dynamic. It's going to be completely different. And so you can like intentionally think, okay, what parts of our families do we want to bring in? What do we want to be different? And then those intentional conversations that are about dreaming and creating and making it like, and making it beautiful, right? And be such an amazing way to protect your relationship. Yeah,
0: I love that. The suggestion of, creating your own family traditions because so many of us just default to whatever we grew up with without really questioning does this serve me and does this serve my family, my new family, right? I love that. And it's something that in my own life, like, you know, we're trying to navigate as well. but So that seems like a conversation that definitely should happen before the baby. And it can happen after baby, but sometimes because of the lack of sleep and maybe, you know, just being needy and crying all the time, you are not able to have that conversation, right? Are there any advice that you have for things that each partner can sort of own individually at first to like make things better? Or is it really like, no, we have to kind of sit down? Because I, I remember the first month, it's like, we barely talked about anything except the baby <laughs> so, so yeah.
1: Well, self-regulation is huge, right? So what you're saying, what each person can do separately is let's say you haven't had those conversations one thing you can do is even own kind of what we were beginning to talk at first know that we are both sleep deprived i am really sleep deprived and tired maybe even hungry and just stressed out right let me assume good intentions in the other person and not and do my very best not to take things personally and also know they are doing their best just as i am trying to do my best So that just assumption of good intentions. The story we tell ourselves within our own minds about ourselves, or relationship, um, our families are huge. So you can even say, what's the story I'm telling myself about this situation right now? That can give you some agency, slow the whole process down and allow you just to think a little bit differently. And then above anything else, if you can't even like have a thought process, breathe. Allowing yourself to slow down your breathing gives you the space to give yourself a little bit of choice. So when people are holding their breath or breathing fast, they're beginning to enter into fight or flight mode. If you exhale really slowly, it sends a signal to your brain of, okay, I'm not in danger. I'm breathing slowly. It must mean I'm safe. And that allows conflict to slow down too, because it allows you to decide what your response is going to be, allows you to react a little bit differently differently. So just breathing can go a long way. If you're exhausted, you don't have bandwidth to even say, I need five minutes to walk away right now for age. Or please call the baby. It's screaming and I, I just need right. to get away from for a moment. Right. Just that brands can allow you to put a sentence in saying, I just need some space. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I particularly love the question, the story I'm telling myself. It's something that I have used in my relationship because I don't assume good intentions ever. <laughs> Right <laughs> and by, like it's your Peruvian. We've done in good intentions ever, <laughs> and and many times it's just really miscommunication. Right, like let's say for example, my partner is um going to do an errand, right, and he could in his head he could be like, oh, this will show her I care, so she doesn't have to do this errand, and I know she wanted to do it. You know, in my head I could be like, he just wants to leave me with the baby by myself. Right. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> I love the advice of um assume good intentions, which is something really, really hard to do. I also love the advice of asking yourself and actually communicating that to your partner, the story I'm telling myself. And so that's something that I've used where I tell my husband, the story I'm telling myself is you left to do this errand because you don't want to deal with like the baby crying and you're just leaving me behind. When and so he can hear that and he can say, oh my gosh, that's actually not even at all what I was thinking. I was thinking I wanted to make your life easier. And so I love that question and I would vouch for yeah, I would just say, like, to anybody listening, use it because it's very <laughs> malleable. <laughs> really yeah. Um, what role do uh, What role does extended family play in this, um, you know, first year of the baby come in and, and how to support a couple? Like, how can extended family support the couple
1: or friends as well? Right. So that part is a very much it depends part, right? so for some people right having a uh, family close by and helping out as much as possible is incredibly helpful right and so that's again one of those conversations to be had through the pregnancy or be having a baby right to what extent do we want family involvement right or which family do we want involved and which friends do we want to involve because again it's a very stressful time so some family members right can can be very respectful of boundaries and really attuned and helpful and other times it actually leads to more conflict in the relationship if family is intrusive and is not respectful of boundaries, right? So that people can be protective of their family members and have this sense of like, oh, how could you say that about my mom or how could you say that about my sibling? And you know, like I I, I really wanted it to be this. And the other person is like, no, I, I want it to be this other thing. So I think it's really an it depends and one where conversations around that are incredibly important. Like we were talking about creating like rituals and deciding what you want your relationship culture to be. That also involves the idea of how involved you want your family to be in your family relationship.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And in, in talking about who in your life, whether family or friends, you want involved in this experience, at least for the first year, um, because this is where any th- this moment in in your life as new parents it's really where anything that triggered you that you thought you had under control it's going to come back right it's going to come back because you're more sensitive you're tired you're sleep deprived you're probably hungry and so don't assume as a par- don't assume that your partner's parents mom and dad or siblings brother sister are the right person to be around right and so mm-hmm. it's something that you have to Share into what you said. Some people are anxiety inducing. And so perhaps having your brother there, or your sister there, or your mom or your dad is anxiety inducing to your partner. And so that's not good. So just sharing that before or during, you know, it's, it's, it's I think, excellent, excellent advice. Um, compromises around it. Yeah. Yeah. So since you're a sex therapist, <laughs> <I don't> have, <laughs> let's talk about sex and postpartum. So, you know, it's kind of commonly conversations that, you know, the mom wants to avoid it or the birthing parent wants to avoid sex because you feel overtouched, you're breastfeeding, you're not even understanding this new body that you're in, there are fluids coming out everywhere, there are new smells, your hair is falling off, you right. don't have any wax <laughs> So you just don't feel sexy, right? There's oh, just right. not, it's not sexy. It's just not a sexy time at the beginning, you know? And men feel rejected. And right. so what can partners do to sort of have that, have a connection or keep the intimacy going, you know, because usually that goes out the window pretty quickly when you have to take care of somebody else and when you're not feeling yourself right, so.
1: Right, right. And I guess that's the key when we're talking about intimacy, whether it is physical or emotional right? The emotional intimacy during this time goes a long way. And I've actually had a lot of men talk about how they're also too exhausted to desire sex during that time too, right? So both people may be in the state of like, don't come near me because I'm just too tired, right? within that first year. Afterwards, right? And and, as you know, the baby starts sleeping a little more, people, both partners start feeling a a little more relaxed. What I tend to suggest right, uh, to couples around this aspect is one have your m- emotional intimacy solid right connect and, and make time for one another's and do regular check-ins right you could do it even every other week to have a like let's talk about the state of affairs <laughs> let's talk about the state of our connection how uh, or, or make sure we're having dinner together a couple times a week where we sit in front of one another making eye contact and saying hey how are you feeling how, are you, how am i feeling let's really um be present with one another because that kind of presence that kind of connection signals to the other person and we are a we we're on the same page and you're also an adult right when people start switching roles and getting into maybe parent-child dynamics right and women are more likely to complain about this where it's like oh gosh you don't know, have to be after my my husband to do the chores just like i'm after my kids the tradition tends to go out the window so the more true people can be grounded in adult wisdom and present for each other that way it can allow for then the physical intimacy, the sexual intimacy to naturally kind of begin to reemerge. As people feel more rested and more comfortable in their body, right? And it might be a slow process, right? For a lot of people, it's like, oh, okay, six weeks after having a baby, you're ready to have that kind of sex. For many, many women, it's just not that way. For many, many uh, humility, find partners, it's just not that way, right? So what ends up happening is that it can take months sometimes before pain goes away and before people feel really good in their body. So I also suggest going to pelvic floor physical therapy as a way to, one, work on your body beforehand, right? Before giving birth, do your very best work on your pelvic floor, work on those muscles, work on your core. But if that hasn't happened, right? Do pe- pelvic floor physical therapy after giving birth can be huge in terms of helping repair the muscles, helping your body come back to... Uh, as close as they used to be, and for some people, there's even more pleasure, right? Those those areas are even more innervated; a lot of blood has flown there, and some women even report having more pleasure during sex after giving birth. Yeah, I want to
0: reiterate the, you know, what you said about the myth behind the six weeks, and I really want to, you know, kind of call to action. I guess it's not enough. That's a right word to man to really respect the birthing partners you know, sort of decision whether to how early or how now early to have sex. Six weeks, I think it sounds really arbitrary, to be honest, because everybody heals differently and every birth is different. Um, it could be a C-section or it could be a vaginal birth. But even even in those two categories, it's just, it could be different, completely different. And everybody's pelvic floor is different and it heals in a different rate. Um, and... So yeah, so definitely I don't, I don't, I want to just share that, that it's six weeks sounds not right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When my partner and I were preparing for our baby, or I like, I refer to her as what well, we done and <laughs> our audience, we talked about, you know, postpartum and how to get ready for postpartum. And I was, I was afraid of birth, but I was, I was even more afraid of postpartum depression. How can partners support the birthing partner or or look out for signs for postpartum depression and exactly what is postpartum depression and how long does it how long is it
1: so it really depends on I guess a few different factors right so if you have been prone to depression even before getting pregnant you're more likely to experience postpartum depression so that's useful to keep in mind and so postpartum depression can actually present in a lot of different ways, even, even kind of as anxiety, right? So for a lot of people, it's this, um, describe it as this uncontrollable anxiety where they're consistently worried about their baby's well-being to, to a degree where, where they really can't take a break from that sense of worry. For some people, they, they actually experience it as the complete opposite, right? a distance from the baby, a, a desire not to be around them, even a, a strong aversion to their baby, right? Because, and, and and partners are more likely to describe experiencing that if their romantic partnership, their, their marital partnership or, or their relationship is not in a good place. So the statistics show that women are way more likely to experience postpartum depression if the pregnancy felt, if they felt kind of alone during the pregnancy, unsupported by their partners, Pretty distant in that connection. That's when postpartum depression is more likely to kick in. So it is a a, a pervasive uh, sense of sadness and disconnect when the baby, from oneself, or an intense feeling of extreme anxiety or fluctuating between like anxiety and feeling low. So uh, so people are, are likely to experience it in all these different ways. And um, so I, I recommend, of course, um, seeking uh, seeking a consultation with a psychiatrist. Meeting with a therapist during that time because it could be something that that ends up resolved within a few weeks, but of course it depends on history, right? If you have a trauma history, if family relationships have been really tough, and having a baby triggers a lot of that uh, dynamic and the and the and the trauma from the past, then yeah, then the then therapy might might be long term. It might be several months or or several years if it's something to process through motherhood, through parenthood.
0: I think that's, it's it's such a unique experience for everybody. And I I guess my only, my only add on to that would be that um, one of the things I did, right, because I was scared of postpartum depression and how I may or may not feel once my baby was here. um, I set the bar really low with my friend (laughs) about how I was going to share this experience. And so I, I, I joked, I jokingly said, like, I want to be the okayest mother. I'm not trying to be <laughs> the best mother in the world. <laughs> but I want to be the okayest mother ever. And I, you know, I I talked to my husband that, you know, I, I used to call our baby. Oh, my gosh. I'm Maybe I, I don't, I was like, should I share this or not? Because I really didn't know how I was going to feel. I used to be like the intruder. <laughs> and, you know, and so it's just like and a lot of moms don't have a safe space to really share that maybe sometimes you feel disconnected from your baby and that's okay. That's, you know, that's, that's very okay. And I think as a partner, you can allow her to express herself in those way and, and don't shame her for feeling whatever, because it could be a momentary feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Like we love our partners. We love our friends, but sometimes you can be like <laughs> yep. in right? a baby's, it's it's a similar relationship. Obviously, it's not the same, but it's, you know, it's still a relationship with another person. And so I just want moms and other moms to create, you know, a safe space for moms to say like, yeah, this sucks today. Or I don't feel connected today. Or because the worst thing we could do is shame people. And then they have to struggle with that shame and depression on their own. And that's when, you know, maternal suicide happens. And so that I recently learned about that, that it usually happens within the first year. Right. yeah so and that's really scary yeah
1: and then uh-huh. kind of perfectionism right and it is rough right so oftentimes it's one of those things that can create conflict in relationships but also lead to depression and anxiety that sense of like i need to be a perfect parent right but the reality is it's amazing how resilient we are as humans right so we can actually be misattuned right 70% of the time and meaning attuned and have it right on 30% of the time to still create a, a secure attachment. So we humans are very resilient, right? So we don't we definitely don't need to be anywhere close to perfect for our kids to do well. Yeah. Really, 30%, right? We people think it was like, oh, 70% is like, well, you have to get it right. No. It's 30% that you have to get it right and then relationships is how you repair in the relationship mm-hmm. that is key right so if you come back and 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 repair and, and same for romantic partnerships right and it's the same thing with a child bond
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's gotta be misattunement there's gonna be mistakes but if you come back and you're like okay let's try again let's try again mm-hmm. let's apologize let's try again hey, it builds you know. a deeper relationship and a secure attachment yeah so for um folks listening
0: and they want to take this workshop with you. And they sign up? Where do they find more information and what can they hope to get out of it?
1: So the best way to sign up is to contact me through email to my, it's Dr. Rick at we are harmony, holistic.com. So you know, I'm to me, it to the notes. Know, the bit, it, <laughs> Lord, I'm spelling my last name, but the, the workshop is 12 hours. So it's over a month. I usually do it three hours at a time so that people can digest, have then a week in between to work on a few different exercises. And then really integrate all the information. Um, once in a while, I'll do a briefer version of it where it's six hours on, on, on a key point. Mm-hmm. But the overall workshop to, to get the best out of it is about 12 hours. So they can reach me. Uh, I'm planning on doing it kind of quarterly. And um, so the next one is likely going to be in the fall. So anyone with a new baby thank thinking for having a baby, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the
0: next one will be in the fall. Yes. All right. So I'll add those, that information to our episode notes. I'll also include your email address. Uh, Dr. Melanie Regarde, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I hope this is helpful to folks. I think it's something I'm going through and I thought it would be valuable for our audience. And I hope they get some value from it. I'm sure they will. And again, if you have any questions, reach out to Dr. Regarde and I'll be adding her contact information on the notes. Thank you so
1: much for having
0: me, Natalie. Of course. wanted to take a break here to share that peruvians of usa now has an online store help us spread the message that el mejor amigo de un peruano es otro peruano by visiting our online store we also have feminine versions that said la mejor amiga de una peruana es otra peruana or gender neutral versions this could be the perfect gift for a peruvian in your life visit the link on the episode notes or link in bio all right back to the episode Are you a small business looking to expand your digital footprint? Are you a small business looking to reach more of the Peruvian diaspora in the United States? Consider sponsoring an episode of Peruvians of USA. Peruvians of USA has launched its first sponsorship program. If you're interested, please visit peruviansofusa.com sponsors or send us a message on Instagram. Thank you for listening to Peruvians of USA. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and review an Apple podcast. It lets other Peruvians find the show. If you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Peruvians of USA. I'm looking forward to connecting with you there. All right. Talk to you soon. Ciao.